Good afternoon and welcome to another episode and conversation on the Worthy for 30 podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tash. And with me this afternoon is Emily Rasmussen, the founder and CEO of Grapevine. Welcome, Emily. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Eric. Excellent. Well, so Emily, the way that Emily and I got connected is pretty interesting. So I work in digital marketing and I got an email from a digital marketing group on Grapevine asking if I wanted to join. And I was digging through, digging through, I'm like, Okay, let me let me understand the founding story. And I, I came across Emily's profile on LinkedIn and, and her her background and her story. And I saw that she was connected with a previous Worthy for 30 guest, uh, someone who's a, been a big supporter of the show, Aria Finger, who is the chief of staff to Reed Hoffman. And Emily, the way that I usually like to start these conversations is really understanding your background, understanding your journey from start to where you are now at Grapevine. Wow, that's a lot, <laughs> Eric. Yeah, from start to where I am now at Grapevine. So. In a nutshell, I was very interested in social impact work when I was younger, but then I was also very passionate about the arts and I was actually a professional ballet dancer for a period of time. And so for me, both professional dance and social impact have been a big part of my career. And so after leaving dance, it was actually 9-11 and just thinking more broadly about about how I wanted to do more, do more in the social impact space and particularly economic development at that point in my life that led me to leave dance and pursue a degree in that space, diplomacy and world affairs, and ultimately into a career in microfinance where I was helping to build microfinance programs in India where I lived for a couple of years. And then when I moved to New York, we were doing work globally. So I got to spend some time in China and Africa and South America and India as well. And so I was really excited about this idea of microfinance, community-based financing, where putting money in the hands of community members where they can make the decisions closest to the issues you know, that they were facing. And around that time, Kickstarter taking off, or Kickstarter was actually just launching at that time. It was really Kiva at that point that was a bit further ahead and really kind of taking off. And, and it just felt like this was such an interesting opportunity, technology to try and democratize more this model of community-based finance, bringing more money from broader communities into communities around the world. And so I got really excited about that and ended up going to business school to pursue that and got to do some great work consulting with Kickstarter and launched a crowdfunding platform for performing artists while I was in business school. And in both cases and just in my broader exploration, I was really thinking, how do we create a more community-based, purposeful giving experience using technology? Because even in those earlier days, crowdfunding was feeling a little transactional as compared to the the community-based work that I was doing. And so that became part of that exploration for me. And I wasn't quite sure what that looked like yet. So I spent a few years in the nonprofit space after business school, but ultimately then left to pursue this and had this idea of building a more collaborative community-based online crowdfunding type model, which I later started to define more as crowd granting. But at that time was still exploring and there was this moment where a few giving circles discovered us and reached out. And so that's where we got connected with this existing community-based grassroots movement of people coming together, connecting with each other, pooling their donations, and deciding as a group what to support. And so it was just this wonderful match where we started building directly to support them and make the work that they were doing a lot easier. And we were learning from them at the same time. And ultimately, that led to what is now Grapevine. <laughs> and, and you've been you've been uh, working on Grapevine since uh, 2017, 
And what, what's interesting, before we get into Grapevine and all the great groups that have built uh, communities on the platform, we'd love for you to define what you know giving circles are and collaborative giving. Yeah, sure. So it's a great question because even within the philanthropic space, I think there are many definitions. So I'm certainly not speaking for everyone out there. I think there's a bigger kind of understanding that we need to have more clarity around these definitions. There's this concept of collective or collaborative giving where people are collaborating to give money away, but some people call this a giving circle. Some people call it a donor collaborative, a philanthropic collaborative, a fundraising circle. So anyway, just to put that out there up front, but for us at Grapevine, we talk about collaborative giving in the context of a broader concept about where a group of people come together. They may have known each other already, or they're coming together meeting for the first time, and they pool their donations and then they collaborate to decide what to support as a group. So in this model, the more traditional or I should say most popular version of this model that we know of in the broader movement and also on our platform is where a group of people, let's say 100 people come together, everyone pitches in $100, and now they have a $10,000 check to give away. Anyone who participates has the option to nominate a nonprofit that they knew, know is doing good work, they've heard of, they think would be a good fit for the group. And ultimately, three finalists are selected. And then the group will come together once every quarter to hear presentations from the members on those three nonprofits, ask questions, learn more, and ultimately vote. And whichever organization gets the most votes gets that $10,000 check. They'll then hear from a previous nonprofit grantee often so that they get to hear firsthand what their money is going to support, the impact that it's having. And then they'll do it all again three months later. I was just going to say that is one specific model. And like I said, the most popular one. But just to be clear, there are so many different varieties of this model. We have much smaller models with a handful of people who are connected maybe to a book club or a family group that are coming together and just taking turns recommending the nonprofit for the group to donate to. Much larger ones connected to thought leaders, influencers, where they're giving to causes like national causes across the country. So a broad variety that just kind of shows how this model can can be adopted and, and adapted depending upon the group and their goals. Excellent. And again, thank you for the definition again within the context of Grapevine. And, you know, just understanding the, let's say, the, the Pareto, Pareto principle of the, the 80-20 rule, would you say the majority of the groups that are currently on the Grapevine platform, again, are that former, you know, that, that smaller, smaller size groups, you know, of like-minded individuals that are coming together to then nominate a nonprofit to then donate, you know, every quarter that, you know, that whatever that pot is to that nonprofit? Yeah, absolutely. So we have about 800 active groups on the platform now, and I would say probably 50% of them are that model I just described, where people are coming together, often in location. Oakland Community Alliance, Reno Women for Good, you know, groups like that that are coming together to give to a broad range of causes, but in their local area through that model where members nominate and then vote on where to to give. So yes, that's definitely the the predominant model on on the Grapevine platform. And at this point, like I said, we have over 800 groups on the platform and about 60,000 members. So this is a a core part of, of, of the community on our platform. And now in in every state across the country. Gotcha. And then for like 2023, in terms of your team's ambitions and aspirations, what is the goal? You said 60,000 members, 800 groups. What What's that that KPI that you're looking to hit come uh, January 1st, 2024? Oh, gosh. Big, big dream here. I mean, we have, as a community, we've moved over $24 million to thousands of nonprofits across the country. Yeah. I mean, 
it's been pretty exciting to actually see that number and see these incredible organizations that we're supporting. I like to say the next number we're looking at is 100 million. Are we going to hit that by January 1, 2024? I think that's a bit of a stretch, but you know, we're working that way. That is something we're definitely looking to in 2024. Gotcha. And, you know, in terms of like, you know, again, with, with a lot of startup founders, you know, they have this North Star. How, how does how do you and your team at Grapevine define that North Star for for the organization? Our North Star metric? Like a North Star metric or, or like, you know, like what is that that higher plane aspiration? You know, yes, there are, there are numbers, you know, again, 24 million, 100 million. But what is that that higher plane sort of aspiration that the, that you and the platform want to, again, achieve based on all the work that's being done? Yeah. It's such a good question. We actually have conversations around this fairly frequently. I think for us, the giving circle model is a vehicle to democratize philanthropy. And that's really been a big part of our driving you know, interest and, and passion uh, since the beginning of Grapevine, when we we're still trying to figure out exactly what it was we were going to be when we grew up. But we wanted, we wanted to democratize philanthropy, right? We wanted to engage more people in it. We wanted to get more communities giving, and we wanted to get more money into local communities. And it turns out this giving circle model is a really great vehicle for that. And so, yeah, and I would say the broader giving circle movement has also identified that not only is this democratizing philanthropy, but in that process, it's also diversifying philanthropy. What we know from the research is that it's important who gives. Because while less than 2% of total philanthropic funding goes to women and girls, for example, women and girls is one of the top three most funded causes by giving circles, which you know from the latest research are about 70% women. That is just one example. There are many others with other demographics and, and you know, types of donors and that looks at their lived experience and their perspective and how that informs where they give and what they think is important to support. Anyway, as a team, we're, we're passionate about democratizing philanthropy. Some might say disrupting philanthropy. But uh, yeah, and this is the model through which we found a really effective way to do it. Totally understand. And you know, what's also interesting, I think I was watching a previous interview before, again, in, in preparation for our conversation today, isn't it that you and your team have that points to what collaborative giving or giving circles can unlock in terms of the total amount that's given to a specific nonprofit versus individual philanthropy? Are you able to speak to that just like at a ballpark number? Just trying to understand like what that percent increase is. Again, if, you, if people are like-minded, people are coming together to nominate a nonprofit. You know, what is that? What are you seeing on average? Is that percent boost or dollar boost that that nonprofit is not receiving versus again that an individual person coming to the nonprofit with a check in hand? I guess there are a couple of ways to look at this, right? Like if we talk about the model that I shared earlier, a hundred people each pitch in a hundred dollars. Now you're giving a ten thousand dollar check. I mean, your $100 has now been turned into $10,000 and you get to, you still get to be part of deciding where that money goes. You know, in, in that way, there's a hundred times multiplier on the impact that you might be able to have with, with that $100. And also what we know through this model is that through this community-based way of giving, you hear about organizations from other people who have their own experience with them and can surface what we see in the research is often much smaller, more local, more diverse organizations where your money goes further that typically have a harder time tapping into the more established funds. So when you talk about impact, you know, it's not just about the dollar amount, but actually, you know, there's other factors as well, I would, I would argue are additional multipliers. So I, I guess that would be the way that I would look at it in this case. If you're if you're thinking about 
one of the other ways that I, I think of this question, I guess, is through the lens of the of grapevine, of the grapevine giving foundation. And one of the things that we've been experimenting with is if we took a dollar donated into grapevine, what could we do with that dollar through the power of this community building work that we're doing? And can we turn that dollar into another dollar from our community, another $10, another $100, right? So based on the work that we're doing to create these giving circles and get more people involved, what we've seen is some of our direct work in this, like creating of new groups and pulling more people in, every $1 that goes into that work that we're doing turns into $10. That's, you know, to me, that's a very compelling case for you know, potentially larger philanthropists or foundations who might want to amplify the impact of their giving by basically engaging communities across the country and supporting them to get involved in giving as well. Right. No, this is like to, to your point about being more grassroots to be more local, where again, either people, when they think about charity or, or philanthropy, you know, they think about much larger organizations with deeper pockets who can spend the money on the awareness so when someone is about to write a check to a specific cause, you know, they saw that commercial or saw that billboard or, or, or saw that, you know, that activation, whereas some of these smaller, again, more grassroots local organizations and what you mentioned before about how these groups, some of these groups, not all, but some of these groups are are built around specific location. Like I, when I was going on the Grapevine platform, again, in preparation for our conversation today, being in New Jersey, I saw that there was a Bergen's, a Bergen County female book club, I think it was, which was super interesting. Because again, it's not only is a local, it's like hyper local. It's like I live in Essex County, the Bergen County is north of me. So it's, it's really interesting that people have a shared interest in let's say books, and they have a shared interest in their local community. You know, I'm from Bergen County, I love books, I want to find people who, who are coming together. And then we can identify a nonprofit based on the money we raise to then donate to. So I, I think, you know, I just I, I don't want this point that you made to go to the wayside in terms of yes there are dollars but there's a lot of awareness that's being generated and which is which is tremendous and again it's awareness not being shouted from the mountaintops it's it's awareness that's being discussed amongst the people in these groups completely which which is actually the most effective way right is what we found i mean there's a there's research around this out of the stanford university and and other places i'm sure but but they've looked at like how how do people actually decide where to give and, you know, we talk about, we talk about these, there are great resources out there with information and data collection, and all this stuff. But what tends to come back in their research is that people use those more as a gut check after they've already decided where they want to give. And that decision tends to be, they learn about an organization through friends and family or kind of that next rung of people, you know, that kind of like inner ring, people close to them. It's, it's word of mouth. And there's so much value in social proof. And, you know, in many things, but especially, I think, in this sector from what we've seen. And so connecting with other people, hearing about their experiences, there's a lot that that can do to help guide our giving and in ways that it's difficult to do otherwise, especially for these smaller organizations. Mm -hmm. And what is some of that feedback that you are like, are you getting direct feedback from the nonprofits that have participated in the process with the community so I did the, to say, hey, you know, this is our my nonprofit or our nonprofit, this is our cause, this is where the dollars that you, again, if you decide and vote, where the dollars will go. And then the flip side, you know, from the communities themselves, like what is that, that direct line of feedback or communication that you and your team are receiving to, again, to help continue, to continue this growth or this trajectory of growth, you know, over the long term? 
Yeah, I'm from new people joining this movement. There's just a lot of excitement around connecting with other like-minded people. We actually did a study recently looking at all the reasons why people say they join these groups. And it kind of comes down to to three main things. One is connecting with other like-minded people and getting that opportunity. I think especially coming out of COVID, right? A lot of us had our social lives or professional lives disrupted and we may have moved, our company may have gone online, whatever the case, and we're looking for new networks and communities. And this is a really nice, valuable, meaningful way to do that. The second is, is growth, just like growing our impact within our community and also, you know, through that process by learning through this model, you know, growing our own knowledge and, and understanding of the issues. And so some personal development piece there, as well as just, you know, the, the, the impact that we're having in the community. And the third one is, is really having a voice, feeling like, you know, I get to participate in deciding where this money goes. And I think people are very familiar with crowdfunding and getting to pitch into other people's campaigns and support as a, as a community for something else. And it's so nice to kind of flip that on its head and say, well, actually, I'm going to contribute into this campaign or this fund and then help decide where it goes. Being a part of that feels very engaging, like you're really part of the solution. So yeah, that's the kind of feedback that we're getting from people who are joining these groups. So Giving Circles, what we know from the, this is about five years ago, the latest research on on Giving Circles, but they already moved about $1.3 billion to nonprofits across the country at that point. And as I mentioned earlier, the research has shown those were often much smaller, more local, more diverse organizations than traditional philanthropy support. They're obviously thrilled with getting the funding and getting the funding in a larger amount at once, right? You can do a lot more with a $10,000 check than you can do with a hundred, $100 checks that trickle in over who knows how long and can't really plan for it. You don't know if it's coming in. So I think there's a lot of excitement from the nonprofit sector around this model. And also curiosity around around it. How do they get involved? You know, and I think that's up to us as a sector to try and support more nonprofits and being able to identify non uh, giving circles and learn from this model that is really on the rise. And how can they not only in a in a meaningful way connect with this existing movement, but how can they also maybe build that those learnings into their own fundraising? What does it look like for a nonprofit to start their own giving circle that's supporting their work? And we're starting to see more of that, but it's still pretty nascent. Gotcha. Okay. So, so just so I understand, understand clearly from the, from the nonprofit side. So actually taking a further step back. So if uh, on Grapevine right now, as a person, as a, uh, I can set up my own Grapevine or my own giving circle on the Grapevine platform, I can join an existing Grapevine platform based on my interest or location. And non- it sounds like nonprofits can also create their own sort of giving circle where people can join in a similar fashion as the former. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. And so anyone can anyone can start a giving circle on the Grapevine platform for free and begin building their community of donors, right? And so a nonprofit can do that. And what we see is nonprofits doing that, but then not necessarily knowing how to take that next step to actually build this into a thriving community of, of donors. And I think that's where there's just some learning and education to be had by looking more at the existing giving circles that are successful, how that's happening and, and doing a better job of training the nonprofits on how to do that for their groups as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in terms of like a, a product roadmap, because again, you're acting as a platform, as a conduit for, for both, let's say, constituents and acting as a marketplace, because people, you know, they're people who want to raise money and give and they're nonprofits who want to receive the dollars that are raised. So from your, from your standpoint or from your vantage point, like what's on the product roadmap and t- to, to help with that education piece, with the help, to help with that 
creating that flywheel, not just for like, I understand the flywheel for the person who wants to find like-minded individuals who want to give to nonprofits, but creating the flywheel for the nonprofit who now has this incredible, to your point, this incredible touch point to, to get in front of, from a one-to-many standpoint, all these donors who, you know, based on voting are, are willing to cut a check to my organization. Like what, what does that, that look like now and, you know, moving forward? Sure. Well, I would add one, a third stakeholder to that, which is companies. We can talk about that in a minute. But, you know, as far as the product roadmap goes, we're doing a lot of work right now on automating this and making it easier and easier for anyone to start or join a group and not having to worry about the administrative overhead, right? This can become an accounting exercise or an accounting nightmare, I should say, very quickly if someone were trying to do this on their own, (laughs) which is what we stepped into three years ago when we launched and we realized, oh, you know, we could do, we could help so much with just some basic organization and, And then what we've been doing is we've been growing this movement more is realizing how much people really want to connect with each other as well. So trying to automate away all the accounting and money flows overhead and then give people more and more ways to connect with each other through these groups. So we're continuing to invest in that and that overall like experience that people have when they join these groups. The second thing on the nonprofit side is we're we're continuing to think about how can we get the nonprofits more involved in a really positive way, right? The last thing we want to do is, is open this up to where suddenly the giving circles feel like they're being spammed all the time by nonprofit. So we have to play some role in, in making this, the connection meaningful and valuable for everyone. And so we're, we're doing some work right now on that side of things, engaging the nonprofits more, getting their voice into those giving circles through videos and through other ways that sharing of volunteer opportunities, you know, things like that, that we know will bring value to the, the giving circle and to the nonprofit. And then we're also talking with other partners in the broader space, the broader philanthropic space, who have a lot more experience with education, for example, with nonprofit education and training and saying, okay, what would it look like for us to collaborate to create a training program for nonprofits on giving circles so that we can leverage the expertise of others to try and you know, help fill some of these gaps for that community. And then on the company side, it's we have a lot of people who join these giving circles and say, wow, this really resonates with me. And I think will also really resonate with the values of my company. How can my company be involved? And so to date, it's been much more through those donors as they've joined where we've said, oh, well, go talk to your HR, you know, head of HR and ask them about donation matching programs. And here's how you can have your company submit a match so that your giving circle has even more money to give away. So that's a great low hanging fruit way for them to be involved. But we're hearing from companies now more and more about wanting to be more deeply involved and either wanting to have giving have a giving circle set up for their team, right? So that they can engage more deeply together through this model or maybe match donations of existing giving circles. We had a large national company reach out to us and say, this community you've built, you know, is really exciting to us and, and we would love to share what we do with this community. Is there a way we can sponsor? You know, and so we're looking at larger donation matching and sponsorship opportunities. So anyway, those are the kind of the things that we're, we're exploring right now. So that's super interesting. Like, again, companies that, you know, you mentioned, you know, the it's HR, like talk to HR. Is there like another, let's say, common stakeholder that is driving that, you know, how do we give back? How do we do a better job or let's say a more coordinated job of giving back to specific nonprofits besides just HR? Within within the company, space, yeah, within the company, 
Yeah. So there are a couple of others that we've seen and each company is different is what we've learned in terms of who kind of holds this. Often it is HR, especially when you think about team building, you know, culture building, a lot of employee giving programs, for example, those kind of run through HR, CSR, DEI tends to be in that kind of in that channel. The other area we see this touching is company foundations. So there are a number of companies that do their own donating, right? And so company like Patagonia, for example, they have hundreds of nonprofit partners and they have a very active foundation that they grant out from, I believe. And there are a number of others that very proactively give from the company. And this can be a really compelling way for them to maybe take some of that money and match gifts from giving circles across the country that are also supporting climate justice or poverty alleviation, you know, whatever it might be that they care about. So there's that side. And then the third one that I've seen is the marketing side. So there are a number of companies, right, who have a kind of social impact angle to their work and sense of responsibility around that. And that's part of their brand. That's part of what they're trying to communicate out. And so in some cases, that kind of what some people I think would call cause marketing, that marketing umbrella also touches this space. Right. It's, it's, it's understanding your brand purpose and does doing what you're going to do with the giving circle again, ladder up to that, that overall purpose. Cause it, it looked really weird if it, if it was like a, a force, like, yeah, let's just give, or let's match giving circle dona- donations, but we have no articulated purpose or articulated, let's say attachment or, or, or relationship with what we're supporting. So I, I think from what you're saying, it's, it's, it's super interesting to, to see the different touch points at, at within organizations where giving is more pronounced. And I think, the, the, again, that the through line is, you know, does it make sense for the organization to either sponsor or to match or to actually create their own sort of giving circle, which is, which is super interesting, which leads me to my next question, because I imagine some of the feedback or some of the conversations you're having with, the, with these organizations, with these companies that are looking to get involved, I imagine some of those stakeholders who are coming to Grapevine have a personal connection to the specific cause or the specific nonprofit they're looking to support. Would that be an accurate assessment? Because I don't think it's like one day they wake up, someone wakes up and is like, okay, we're going to support this nonprofit because of XYZ reason. You know, it's not some arbitrary reason. It's perhaps there's, again, that that personal connection. Absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of people, right? Like, who, who does this appeal to? It appeals to people who want to connect with others, but also through this like shared interest in giving back, whether it's shared interest in a particular location or a cause or, you know, a community. So often that means people have been doing that already in different ways, right? And and that's the other thing. I mean, a giving circle we've seen in the research, it can be a great on-ramp to a broader philanthropic understanding and, and, and life ultimately. It can be a great way to like learn and develop and, and grow in your own philanthropy. But it also is a great complement to someone who has a robust history with philanthropy and a robust commitment to nonprofits. And the fact that that is true for, you know, those two different audiences means that you have both in these groups and they're able to kind of, that creates a really wonderful dynamic, right? Where I get to go join a group. I might not know that many nonprofits or that much about what's going on in my community, but I'm now in a group with lots of other people, many of whom have been very involved and they can share that experience and talk about these organizations from that firsthand volunteering time they had or that time they worked there, or even if they're still working there, we we encourage that kind of sharing because the process itself takes you through this democratic decision making where about around where money goes. And so if people work for a nonprofit and they can bring that experience to the group, you know, that's that's 
creating an opportunity for the group to learn more and then decide if that's ultimately where they want the funds to go. Right, right, right. It's, it's allowing allowing those people who may not, who are passionate about the cause or about passionate about the group and connecting with other individuals. But to your point, leaning in to the people who, again, who have more experience, more familiarity with the specific nonprofit that, that they're recommending, hey, group, let's vote on this nonprofit because of these reasons, because of my experience working with them, which again, it, 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 it speaks to, again, democratizing philanthropy, which, which we started off our conversation with Emily. But it also, again, provides more of a holistic perspective on, on, on the world around us, I, I believe. It's because, again, you're, y- yes, you know, we, we, we're, we're busy, we have professional and personal lives. But for the folks that really want to take a step back and, and take a moment to figure out, okay, how do I make a, a more obvious or a more uh, immediate impact, let's say, here are these giving circles, again, with, with, with individuals who, are, you know, have different, who have diverse backgrounds or backgrounds different than, than you or I. But we all have a shared passion around the specific interest and the specific perhaps nonprofit, which I think is uh, just just tremendous. It's just get, giving again uh, that that conduit to allow again collective giving. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're absolutely right. It's it really does align with I think what people like to give. I mean, we think about giving circles, and really, we talk about this model having started here in the U.S. in the early '80s, and it was really women who started coming together in location and pooling their money in this way. And it's just grown and grown since then. But really, this kind of community-based giving, whatever you call it, has been happening you know, in cultures globally for centuries. I mean, communities have been pooling their money, their resources, and investing in the local community to make it better, or investing in specific issues you know, to make it better to, for, for a very long time. And we talk a lot about how the modern giving circle movement has deeper roots in some of these other models that you may have heard of globally, Tondas and Susus and self-help groups. And that's kind of where that connection for me comes back to the microfinance work I was doing. And so I think it's a very human way to want to give and connect. You know, and I would even say some of our more kind of modern, not modern, but like some of the ways here in the US that people have been doing that traditionally, whether it's joining nonprofit boards or junior leagues, or I don't know, any number of these other kind of councils, you know, United Way groups, I think all of that has to do where those things really work well is where people build those communities and do this work together, kind of impact building together. Right. And again, the keyword, the operative word is, is together, you know, whether it's digitally or it's in real life or hybrid of the two, it's, you know, again, there's that, that collective intention of doing good while doing well, you know, again, taking that moment to, to help the local community again it gets back to the local community i think you know again we're we're so immersed in in social media and other distractions and we're we're thinking yes you know about let's let's say using the us for as an example we're thinking more on a national scale i, I think we sometimes miss you know what's going on in our backyard and i think you know grapevine provides that opportunity to really check in to see who it, you know who is talking about these specific topics in my local community and how can I get involved and how can we sh- share again the mind share how can we exchange ideas to ma- again make the the the, com- the local community around us uh, better you know what's what's also super interesting when you talk about like the like when we talk about the stickiness of giving to nonprofits you hit the nail on the head with regards to people want to give but it's okay how do we make it super easy for people to give how do we give them that 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 opportunity to give and I I think back to, and it's an organization that I've been part of for 10 plus years, is Cycle for Survival, which raises hundreds of millions of dollars for rare cancer research through, uh, with, in conjunction with Memorial Sloan Kettering. 
And they've done an, an incredible job of creating that community. Yes, they have their events to celebrate all the money that's raised, but I think it's that in between of getting people excited to show, you know, all the money that's being raised, where is it going? And I think similar to Grapevine, it's you're, you're providing that transparency and the visibility instead of just putting a dollar into the ether, you know, people are actually seeing where their contribution, their impact is going. So is there, is that, is that also an, like an accurate representation or assessment, removing some of that opacity from, you know, that some people perhaps are used to? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I think making giving easy is something that is important. And I think we're now at a point though, where that's table stakes, you know, it's like, for a while, they're moving online and, and making giving easier for people to do was really important. But now I feel like that's a solved problem. And now it's more about making giving like engaging and getting people excited to give. And that's why like the cycling, you know, that like you said, the excitement around it, like that is so important. And and I think a big part of that is seeing the impact, like, right, to your point, like how, where's my money going? Why am I, why should I contribute here? How do I know it's making a difference? And I've heard a lot of nonprofit professionals talk about how more and more people are asked questions around impact and especially the next gen, really asking those questions and also wanting to be even more engaged, wanting to have more agency and be more involved, which can be hard to do as a nonprofit to provide people with meaningful ways to be involved. Now, lots of people like to volunteer. To be honest, there it's hard to find for a lot of nonprofits, it's hard to find meaningful volunteer opportunities for people. And so there is this kind of like, how do you give people those experiences to really feel engaged and learn and connect and have it still be a really meaningful, high impact opportunity for organizations? And so I definitely think this model is a great way of solving that because there's a lot of opportunity to engage and learn and connect, guide all of that good stuff through the giving circle itself as well as surface volunteer opportunities that are really meaningful from those organizations. And then be more closely connected to those organizations, right? Because when you hear about them from others through this word of mouth model, as opposed to being on your computer and researching on GuideStar, you know, then who am I going to connect with at this organization? Will they talk to me? Well, here you have someone that can talk to their experience and, you know, the nonprofit actually coming in and giving an update. And so that connection to the impact is so much, it's not only stronger, but I think it's richer in many ways, especially when when we talk about these local groups where I've heard Giving Circle members talk about how amazing it was to drive by that park where they built that thing, you know, and see it and to go to this program launch that they funded. And, you know, people talk about being like that 10,000 gift, they were a part of that. So our gift as, you know, so now they were part of a $10,000 gift instead of that $100 gift that again, they're not going to be able to see that impact regardless, because it's, it's a much smaller contribution. So, you know, that's the other part of this. It's those organizations that you're getting to connect with through this unique model and, and what those organizations are, but it's also the size of the gift you're able to make. And that gives, you know, think about much larger donors, they give these huge gifts. So of course they get customized impact reports and connection to the organization and all of that stuff. But for a lot of us, we don't, we don't have those same opportunities unless we pool resources in this way. Right. You pull resources and to your point, like you pass that part where that money went to, you know, to, to, to see where you're, where, 
the dollars were raised, you know, and this is the impact. This is the result of the impact. And I think, again, what one one thing that should just reiterate it is the fact that it's not just cutting a check, a check on a quarterly basis as a group and then you give it to the nonprofit and they go away. No, what you're saying is the nonprofit is providing those those steady updates. They have the, they, they're building the relationship or they're cultivating the relationship with the groups. So, again, it's not a fly by night sort of contribution. This is you know, part and parcel of why the nonprofit wants to be involved is to really be appreciative and grateful for these like-minded individuals to come together and to pool their 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 donations and to then uh, vote and give, which I, again, I think is uh, tremendous. To your point, you know, again, if it was an individual $100 check, would it really make a difference? Perhaps not. Or it, w- it would make a difference, but it wouldn't be as easily seen. Here again, it's it's magnified by by a multiple of a hundred, which I think is incredible. The way I'd like to end our conversation is really for you to, to provide a call to action for the folks who are interested in joining or creating a, a giving circle to a nonprofit and also to an organization to a company, for profit company that's looking to get involved. How can they reach out to you and to your team? Yeah, so if you're someone interested in joining a giving circle, go to greatfind.org. And you'll see we have hundreds of giving circles for you to to search and join. So that is the best way to get involved. And it's also if you're thinking about maybe starting a giving circle, joining one or just perusing the, the groups online is a great way to get started. And we have some great resources on the platform as well, how to start a giving circle, what to think about a, a great little kind of gosh, what do we call them? Anyway, like an overview worksheet, essentially, for you to kind of put together your concept of a new giving circle, if you're thinking about starting one to help you and then walk you through the steps of getting that set up on the platform. Definitely encourage you to go to greatfind.org if you're interested in starting or joining a giving circle. If you are a nonprofit and you're interested in connecting with the giving circle space, you can also go to greatfind.org and we have a for nonprofit section there. Through that, you can learn a little bit more about how you can get involved with giving circles. You can submit a little bit more information about your nonprofit so we can make sure we We've built out your profile in the best way that you know we can for the donors on our platform. As I mentioned, this is an area where we're continuing to add more resources to engage nonprofits more. So keep an eye out there, sign up for our newsletter, and you'll you'll be able to learn more as we have more opportunities for you to engage directly. And you may also want to search for giving circles near you that are supporting causes that you're working on. Share those with your broader community of you know donors of community members and ask people to join to check them out and if anyone's interested you know please do join and consider uh, nominating bringing you your organization to the group for consideration that's a, a really great way to be considered for funding from these groups that's what I would say to nonprofits as far as companies this is also a more nascent area of our work but I would just say uh, go to grapevine.org or just email us at uh, Probably the best email for that would be info at grapevine.org. And let us know if you're interested in getting involved as a company, either as a sponsor or starting a giving circle for your team. We're doing facilitated giving circles now. So you can actually sign up with us and we'll not only help set you up, but we'll actually run the, the giving circle process for you. So every three months, you and your team can come together and go through this really quality experience together as a group and move some some money out to some really important causes as, as a collective. So feel free to reach out to us, info at grapevine.org. Info at grapevine.org. Emily, it's been a pleasure for you giving us you know, a background on Grapevine, all the great work that you and your team are doing. The or the the individuals who are coming together as uh, in, in these giving circles and giving to nonprofits. As uh, and I'll include you know the Grapevine.org website URL in the the show notes when I publish this 
as well as info at, at grapevine.org. So if you have any questions for Emily and her team, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. Emily, again, I can spend a lot more time, but I understand that it's Friday and late in the afternoon. Definitely don't want to be between you and, and the weekend. I appreciate your time and uh, we'll talk soon.